one, I call to order the February 14th Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. Any individual who also wishes to record this meeting must notify the chair in accordance with Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 38, Section 20F. At the conclusion of our meeting, we will be adjourning to executive session and we will not be returning to open meeting. All right, first up we have our pledge student. Frankie, if I could have you come up to the microphone. All right. So tonight we have Frankie Pascarosa, who is in Mrs. Lacerda's fifth grade classroom at Kennedy School. Frankie has been at Kennedy since kindergarten. His younger brother, Luciano, is in the third grade. Frankie's older brother, Vinny, also attended Kennedy and is now a sophomore at Franklin High School. Frankie considers himself to be a student athlete. His favorite sports are wrestling, football, and baseball. And his favorite subjects in school are ELA and science. Frankie's favorite meal is fettuccine and meatballs. And he loves skating on his family's backyard ice rink. His favorite memory of Kennedy was when he and his older brother were at Kennedy together for one year. Frankie was in kindergarten and his big brother was in fifth grade. Kennedy School is very fortunate to have Frankie as a role model student, and we will miss him when he leaves for middle school in the fall. Frankie, if you wouldn't mind leading us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you very much, Frankie. You. you guys have a great night. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, you too. As is customary, we will pause for a moment of silence. Thank you, everyone. Uh, review of agenda. Agenda looks okay. Everyone. Okay. All right, payment of bills I've taken care of in Mr. McNeil's absence. Payroll's all set. Next, we have our Franklin High School student representatives. Hello, gentlemen. So um, first, I want to start off today with a sports report from Franklin High School, and there's a lot of congratulations that need to go out. Um, so first off, uh, you may remember her from a, like a month or two months ago, Sarah Dumas. Um, this week, she won the Hawkmark Player of the Week, um, and, which is awarded by the Hawkmark Sports, where every week they put up a poll for about like 20 players in the league, and um, athletes and students throughout the league can vote, and she won it this week. Uh, um, and that came after last Thursday where the boys and girls track teams competed in the Hawkmark League Championships where the girls came first winning by over 40 points and then the boys secured third in that meet. Um, and then we, we want to give a big congrats to the FHS girls swim team who won in dramatic fashion their first South sectional title on Saturday. That was incredible to watch. Um, tonight boys basketball plays at Attleboro and the girls team plays at home also against Attleboro, and the girls team has a chance to clinch the Kelly Rex with a win tonight against a talented Attleboro team. Um, yesterday, the boys hockey team won five to nothing against Newton South away. And looking ahead, we have spring sport registration, which comes up on February 15th, which is actually tomorrow, where students can start registering for their spring sports, such as lacrosse, um, baseball, softball, outdoor track. Um, so yeah. 
All right, and um, my name's Ahan Shetty. Just to bring you guys some news about the whole school, what's going on. Um, so last week or two weeks ago, we had Panther Pride Night. Um, that was a huge success. Eighth graders learned a lot about extracurriculars at FHS and what sports we have to offer and all the great things beyond just the core academics. Um, next up, the class of 2026 20, is hosting Freshman Banquet. That's in the FHS gym on March 3rd. And the class of 2025 is hosting Sophomore Banquet at the FHS gym and that's on March 31st. Um, on Thursday night, Red Cross and Diversity Awareness Club are hosting game night, which is going to be hosted in the Franklin High School Library. Um, all are welcome to attend. The mock trial team is currently 2-0, and they have their next trial on Thursday against Shrewsbury. All are welcome to attend that if they would like. It's going to be at Franklin High School in the lecture hall. Uh, the jazz band for Franklin High School is preparing for the performance at the MAJE Festival, which is on March 1st. Uh, following that, um, Franklin High School will be hosting SAT testing on March 11th, which will be a Saturday. And the Franklin High School Theater Company is currently selling tickets for their new show, uh, Lord of the Flies. Sh the shows are on March 3rd, 17th, and 6th, 6 and 7 p.m. Respect respectively. So um, that will be really great to watch. They always put on a great performance. Uh, seniors are going to be having all-night party, which is going to be right after graduation, which is on June 2nd, 2023. Uh, students that would like to buy a ticket can either pay on PayPal or they can drop off a check at the main office. For our class, the class of 2024, we're currently planning prom. It's on May 5th. Uh, we're hosting prom committees every other Friday. We have a meeting this Friday. And we're going to be having a new fundraiser announced soon. Just really try to get a, a um, you know, as much fundraising as possible for prom. Perfect. Any questions or comments? I didn't hear when the game night was next Thursday. Uh, this Thursday, actually, the okay. 16th. And then the mock trial open? That's also um, on Thursday. That's at 3 p.m. Okay. Thanks. In the lecture hall, correct? In the lecture hall, yes. The lecture hall game night would be in the media center. <laughs> yes. Thank you guys very much. Right. Have a great night. You too. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Take your treats. Get out of here. Yeah. Thank you. Mr. Here, Superintendent's report. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Happy Valentine's Day to all in the room or online or on TV. Um, this week is also Random Acts of Kindness Week, which happens to also fall as we said on Valentine's Day. All of our elementary schools participated in our Hearts of Kindness project. Students from Helen Keller, Oak Street, Jefferson Parmenter, and Jonathan Kennedy all made hearts that are displayed on the common. You may have seen um, the string of hearts across the town common. Um, that's a joint effort by all of, our, all of our elementary schools. And we want to thank our Franklin High School peer leaders and community service clubs for volunteering to hang and collect and gather um, all of those hearts for the community to enjoy. Many of these hearts were filled with notes um, from our students and acts of kindness that they have either made or words that they wish to share with others. So we encourage you to visit the common and look through for yourself. Um, this is part of the Hearts of Kindness project that originated in Uxbridge approximately 12 years ago. 
And we're proud to partner with Northbridge uh, this year as we seek to con continue to connect our greater community around a common positive cause. Uh, spring conferences are approaching and families with students in grades K through eight uh, will uh, are, have the opportunity to participate. Conferences are being conducted at the request of either the classroom teacher and or the parent to discuss any specific questions, concerns that either party may have about students. Their student, actually not all, but their student. <laughs> um, there are two early release days, March 8th and March 9th, identified in the calendar for spring conferences and principals will be sending out further communication to families in the coming days. Art and Clay. The Scholastic Art and Writing Awards were announced last week in the FHS Clay program under the teaching, teaching and tutelage of Ms. Brenna Johnson received some recognitions which are very exciting. The Scholastic uh, is hosting its traditional art event for the first time since pre-COVID. So students have either received a gold or a silver key and will have the opportunity to go to Tufts University for an award ceremony and their work will be exhibited on campus in the Breed Hall in March. This is an incredible opportunity for our students, specifically Ella uh, Kabat, who earned a gold key, Kyla Miller, silver key, and two additional honorable mentions. Margot Savage earned a silver key, and Julia Spanaker earned an honorable mention for their artwork, which will be displayed at Tufts, which is a, a quite an accomplishment. So special thanks to our FHS art department and staff uh, who work with our kids to create these amazing moments for our students, um, for them to be put up in spotlight. It's just a great way to, to celebrate their work. Lifelong Learning, this is just a plug for their 2023 summer offerings. Please join them for the fun and enriching summer experience that they look to offer. Um, they uh, have created some great programming. For example, Summer Stars program, Ready, Set, K. Are, there's a summer art, music, and STEM program available, um, as well as a solution summer adventure. Finally, uh, to round that off for the high school, there's high school experience for incoming freshmen, and also preparing for college, which, is, which uh, you've heard me taught before as a useful course for someone who's interested to kind of start that process this summer and tackle some of the bigger ideas around um, writing and getting some essays together. It's a great opportunity to do that. I will uh, keep my comments brief, but uh, Franklin Panther Pie may happen. You heard uh, from on, on that, but basically it was a success. It's a tradition that we have in Franklin and it's a great opportunity for families and students to become excited and enthusiastic about our academics, our athletics and clubs and activities and everything involved at Franklin High School. So with that, um, this concludes my report. Thank you very much. I guess just, just to sort of like reiterate, so the conferences that are happening in March are the parents initiate those, right? Or the parents or guardians initiate those. So it's not like the teachers are gonna be saying to everybody, you need to sign up. It's the parent, it's... So yeah, I can clarify. Okay. So the teachers will reach out to families who they feel like they should see or need to see, mm -hmm. but it's not obligatory that every single person meets who um, needs, but if a parent also on the other side said, I'd like to have a meeting, they can certainly request one as well. So it'll work both ways, but it'll be around basically the need from either uh, in this partnership of home and school, whoever feels it's appropriate to have a conference should initiate that. So teachers gotcha. will be reaching out to those they feel it would be beneficial to bring uh, families in on. Gotcha, and then if a family wants a conference, they can just request a conference. They can, and we'll put an announcement to everyone from the principal. It's just notifying families, and then they can choose to do so. Great, yep. thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Mr. Clear. Sure. Um, all right, guest presentations. I know we're starting our school highlights tonight with Kennedy. 
Yes, so uh, we're joined by uh, Dr. Conley and Mr. Haynes, the principal and assistant principal at John Kennedy Elementary. They will share some highlights. They put together uh, a program. Uh, we will do these just so just to set context. We've uh, asked each school to do their highlights to just try to capture some um, key highlights that they want to share about their community. This is not intended to be an all-inclusive report of everything that happens within a school, but we've asked the, the administration and staff to put together just basically exactly what it says is highlights that they'd like to share. So I'll kick it over to Dr. Kong. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you for having us here to share the presentation with all of you. Um, I first want to say how fortunate we are to be here um, to share the highlights on behalf of all of the teachers and staff who work incredibly hard every single day to support our students' social, emotional, and academic needs. Um, and on behalf of our parents and families in the community who partner with us every day and our students, um, through no matter the challenges they come in and they are ready to tackle the uh, challenges in front of them. So with that said, I'm gonna start us off with our first slide. I want to share with you our, the mission of our school, and we want to enable and encourage and challenge every student to continue the pursuit of lifelong learning by providing a safe, nurturing, and enjoyable academic environment. Through the collaborative efforts of staff, parents, and community, we strive to help each student become a confident, responsible, and active citizen of an ever-changing global society. I also want to share with you our core values. JFK Ladybug's care, and the care stands for considerate and kind, achieve and persevere, respectful and safe, and engage and include. And these are the core values that we celebrate every day with our students. They have multiple opportunities to demonstrate this through their interactions, and um, so this is something that we are especially proud of. I have to admit that it was a little challenging putting together this presentation, only because so much happens in a school year and so much happens at Kennedy School. So we decided to put together a video for you in, in hopes that it provides a glimpse of what it's like to be a Kennedy student. So in the video, it features Dance Party Friday, Pumpkin Fall Day. You'll see students recording themselves using Flipgrid. You'll see an all-school meeting. Students creating towers uh, during exploration block. You'll see the return of the Ladybug 5K race, which is our first one um, since the pandemic, so we were really excited for that. You'll also see featured in the video, chorus, winter solstice read. We just completed our uh, food drive with the Franklin Food Pantry. We do, uh, families donated over 400 pounds of foods and items. You'll also see Kennedy teachers featured in this video. Um, from our MTSS faculty training where they planned a party and provided specific dinner accommodations for their dinner guests. We also followed up with just kind of conversation about removing barriers and how that connects with um, how we, we, we uh, plan instruction and um, why it's so effective to remove those barriers before the kids arrive. So that was a really fun, a fun day for all of us. You'll also see science enrichment provided by the PCC uh, and that's when the students were investigating sound. I'll start the video for us. I have to escape. Uh,
My name is Ryan, and I am in second grade. And what I love about Kennedy School is about meeting new friends and teachers. Um, I'd like to kind of narrow the focus down a little bit and what we're going to share directly aligns with our school improvement plan. I really want to highlight our power blocks and some of the schools refer to these blocks as instructional blocks or wind blocks. Uh, we're especially proud of this because it was a, it was a collaborative effort in putting uh, these blocks together and um, this is the first year that we, we have power blocks. So the purpose of power blocks is to support the academic and non-academic needs of all students, including students with disabilities, English language learners, and students who have already demonstrated mastery of the concepts and skills being taught within the classroom. So within the 20 to 30 minute block, um, some of the things that you'll see, and I do want to, to um, note that I'm only sharing 
a few examples, um, so it's not limited to what I'm sharing here. Um, primarily, uh, interventionists provide these supports, but we also have curriculum specialists and ESPs, and sometimes building substitutes. We want to maximize the support in the building and the time that people have available, so that way students are receiving supports in the classroom. So during these blocks, you may see small groups happening based on student needs. You see in the moment targeted intervention and support, um, supervised whole class independent work. This could mean a classroom teacher supervising independent work where an interventionist may be pulling a small group or an interventionist may be supervising the work and then it provides the teacher with an opportunity to conference with a particular student or a group of students. Um, you may also see students uh, receiving support with math games and use of manipulatives, manipulatives and uh, book clubs happening and then of course student conferencing. So our intended outcome um, is really just through the implementation of the power blocks. It really does allow us to optimize our data-driven making uh, decision making, student goal setting and progress monitoring while applying evidence-based supports and strategies. And what I'm really excited about is and what I look forward to is our ongoing conversations with teachers and staff to really take a look at student data and reflect on the power blocks and its effectiveness. Um, so this is what this is currently happening now. It's ongoing, but it will be exciting as we kind of end the school year to take a look at what worked and what didn't work as we modify and plan for next year. Um, the last part of our presentation, I'm very excited to have Mr. Haynes here with us, if he's going to talk a little bit more about um, our support team. Good evening, everyone. Uh, again, my name is Ken Haynes. I have the great fortune of being the assistant principal at the Kennedy School, and I'm really happy to be here tonight. And uh, Dr. Connolly and I thought tonight would be a, a good opportunity to share something that um, that's taking place over the course of the year. In my role as the assistant principal, I think one of my most res most important responsibilities is overseeing, helping to guide um, and support the um, the efforts of our instructional support team, also known as uh, IST. Um, and to back up a little bit, the role of IST, as you can see defined here, is to assist teachers in determining, planning, and implementing strategies to support students' academic, social, emotional, and behavioral needs. Um, now, last year was my first year working with the team, and at the end of the year, uh, the team members, we had kind of heard some feedback uh, from teachers that had come and, and, and we've collaborated with, and we felt that there was opportunity for improvement of, of the team and the model. So what we did is um, I was able to get the, get the team together. We spent some time together over the summer and um, we reflected on our existing model and, uh, and, and we, again, identified some, an opportunity for improvement. Now, to let you know how it did work is that it was, uh, prior to this year, it was more of a presentation model. Teachers would come, they'd present to the team, um, the team would give them recommendations, teachers would leave and then come back maybe a, a month or two later uh, and present their findings. if. If the uh, student, if there's continued to need to, to be support needed on the part of the teacher, um, but what we did is we changed our model. We decided over the summer to change our model and to go from a presentation model, where the teachers come and present to the team, to a liaison model. So we worked with uh, Kate Merton, our DLI, and she created a very easy to complete form for teachers that they can access on our uh, staff website. They can present their concerns there very easily. That information comes to me, I share it with the members of the team, and then members of the team step up and say, I can help, I can help. And now we go to a liaison model 
those team members reach out to the teachers and they work directly with the teacher in supporting the needs of the student. So it goes from a presentation to a consultation model. And uh, as a result, what we have is teachers are receiving more informed, relevant, and specialized guidance and support. Um, there's less time spent sitting around a table talking about the needs of the kids, more time spent with eyes on kids where there are people that can observe the students and work directly with the teacher. And also it just gives us the ability to support more teachers and thus um, you know, more teachers uh, on a more frequent basis. And something like, what does that look like? Well, how, how, does it do, how is it different like on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, now when we, when we gather as a team, what happens is that teacher has a couple of IST members that they've been working with right, who are familiar with the strengths and the challenges that the student faces, and it's more of a conversation than a presentation. And the teachers find that to be a much more supportive and informed model, and um, it seems to be working. So, uh, knock on wood, so, but it's, thus far it's working, and we're able to support more. So, um, thank you for, for listening. Thank you, Mr. Haynes. And that concludes our presentation tonight. Thank you. Um, I guess we'll just start with questions, comments from the committee. Can you? Thank you so much for the, um, if that film made me think. I want to go back in time and become a elementary <laughs> I can't wait to hear about the 5K, although um, I'll have to get training. <laughs> um, okay, good. Um, I wanted to ask, um, how can we support you as, uh, I'm not asking for low lights necessarily to complement the highlights, but um, what are some of the challenges of your particular school and how can we help you or what sort of, um, what sort of um, unmet needs or, or um, challenges could you help us understand, to better understand the full picture of your school? The first thing that comes to my mind right now, and I think it's something that um, a lot of the schools share as far as challenges, is um, making sure that we're hiring um, qualified candidates to be in a building um, and retaining them. So right now, for when I think of MTSS and making sure the kids get the supports they need, we really need um, the right people in our building. So we work really hard, and it is something that we do is going through our interview process and and really putting um, positions out there. We've been um, fortunate to kind of keep our um, hiring process going and where we do have the people that we need, but it has been a challenge. Um, right now, I think we do have one, maybe two openings left that we're still trying to fill. Um, but the benefit at Kennedy is it's all hands on deck and um, everyone kind of understands the position that we're in, not just at Kennedy and Franklin, I think it's beyond. Um, so everyone is always willing to help. We're always looking at schedules and seeing, okay, we have an open walk here. Can we go into this person's classroom to provide support? Um, so although it is a challenge, we are making it work with the people that we have because we're so fortunate to have um, the teachers that we have at Kennedy. But I would say just, um, I, mean, I guess it's a bigger conversation to take a look and analyze um, what's happening out there right now and why we're not able to recruit so we put a post out, we don't get a lot of candidates, so um, that is one of the challenges. I think if I had more time to think more thoughtfully, I can kind of provide more action steps, but I think that is kind of an area that we can definitely use support with. Do you think, think of anything else? Um, I, I do agree. I mean, I, I a lot of times, I'm kind of the first wave when it be, um, 
when we get the applicants that come in. And, and I have seen a recent uptick, and that's been encouraging, but it was kind of dire for a while, but it, it does seem to be getting better. And with that, the quality gets better. But there was a little while there when we felt sort of, okay, we need someone to, to plug in here. And we were fortunate to hire someone recently that has a lot of experience. And when you plug someone in that has that experience and is a really good candidate, um, it just makes all the difference in the world because they hit the ground running and it doesn't draw from other resources. And uh, so the difference is pretty, pretty uh, traumatic when you see it. So. Thanks for such a thoughtful response when I put you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we want to thank for the presentation. Uh, it was a nice balance of just seeing what was being done from an educational standpoint, a you know, um, just engaging the students and having fun, and it's really making them want to come to school, and then also just the community element as well. Um, thank you just for sharing all of that. Um, the part that really jumped out at me was the, the work that's being done in the IST. Um, so one, I commend you for taking a step back and looking at how you've done and really choosing to do something different and really helping to meet your, your the needs of the teachers. Um, I think that's, that's great. Uh, because going from where you went from a presentation mode to being more engaged in, in their um, day-to-day helps and it's what we're doing with our students today now, where we're not just lecturing at them, we're, we're having conversations around the small groups and we're kind of mixing it in there. Uh, so great to see that you've done that. Um, the part that I was kind of curious about was the, the request process. You mentioned um, the teachers will put in a request to get an IST to support. Mm -hmm. like, on average, like, how often, how, how many requests do they get? Like, like, well, it varies. Let me just back up also and say that this was, really, this whole thing has been driven by the members of the team and they deserve all the credit and we've all worked together, but they're the ones that were like, let's do this, let's, let's find something better and uh, we're willing to give the time and, and, and now I think they're, they're giving even more time because they see the, the results of it. Um, but. It might some weeks it might be one it might be once a week it might be twice a week it might be a couple a month it just varies um, but it just depends on it, it does vary from week to week but the best thing is that um, if teachers realize that the model's working right and they see that it's not a source of frustration but a source of support they will be more likely to and, and that they don't have to fill out a big long form where it's just something they can go on and fill out very quickly and they know that it will be responded to quickly, they'll be heard, they'll be follow up on it, then they're more likely to seek the support for that student. So the kids ultimately, I think, get, get their needs met because the whole thing works better. Um, and if you go, I have to, you know, I want to refer the student and you go and there's this massive form, you might start it and then never get back to it. Or if it's something really easy that you can send, then the kids in the process and we start to work with the teacher. And I think everyone needs get met, needs get met better that way. So, uh, so I, has the number changed over last year? Not really, but it just feels lighter because we're not just meeting every single week. The, the IST members are out around the school meeting with the teachers and said, so I don't see it as much, but it's happening. Can I add one more thing? What I'm observing too in the building is that by the time a teacher refers a student to IST, most of the committee members already know about the student because it doesn't, a teacher, a teacher doesn't have to refer a student in order to get support. 
So some of them may be reaching out to the math specialist and talking to the you know, math specialist about the student, or OT and asking for, you know, hey, do you have some time to come in and take a look at my student, do some observations, or do you have time just to chat? Um, and then if the conversation says, you know what, maybe we need to bring this to the larger team, um, but when that happens, usually someone or a group of the committee members already have heard about the students, so it's not like a, a surprise. Great, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's just a great example of just the, the changing landscape of schools and education, because we think back to all of our time in elementary school, we didn't have this. You know, you didn't have the, this group, group work to be able to find the needs of the student and, and really help resolve it. It was really on the teacher, and now with all the work that's being done today, I can't imagine if the, if the teachers were by themselves and didn't have the support, how could they support a class of you know, 15, 22 kids? Um, so this is great. And, and just the removal of that paperwork, I think, is a, a great reduction of the, that barrier, because now it's just, hey, this is a symptom that I'm seeing. Can you observe it versus me now documenting all the things I've observed for them to you to say, well, I need more information. <laughs> you know, so, um, so kudos for the work and yeah, kudos for the team and what they do. Thank you, thank you. So thanks for pulling this together. I know time limits are hard. I know time limits are hard. And so it's like trying to cram all the good stuff into a short presentation is, is stressful, and I know that. I know there's a lot going on at Kennedy, a lot of awesome stuff. I feel like the video is a really efficient way to do it, though, because we've got pictures. We you sort of set it up in advance, so we were expecting to see certain things. And then we have the pictures and uh, the videos, and anytime we see the kids talking, come on. That's why we're here. Um, anyways, uh, so thank you for doing that. I feel like that was a that was a good hack to get more information in than just sort of talking through bullets the whole time. Um, but respectful of the time also, which is appreciated. Um, okay, so I agree that the IFT stuff was really exciting. Um, I know that um, IST meetings can take a whole lot of time out of people's schedules every week forever and not always get places. Um, and so I feel like sort of, as you had said, Ken, in response to the staff feedback, you had sort of revamped the whole model um, from more presentation-based to more consultation-based, which just sounds way more efficient. It really does, because then you're not sitting in a meeting about a kid that's not necessarily within your expertise, but you have to wait till this kid's done to get to the next kid because that kid's on your on your slate for the day or whatever it is. So um, I imagine you know when we're talking about like staff burnout and trying to lighten the load somehow, like we still need to address needs. We still need to sort of have an IST process, but do we need to have people sitting in meetings every single week for X amount of chunks of time? And so I feel like this was a creative way to do it and it sounds like you're still following the process with integrity and sort of getting the results you need to get as far as like meeting kids needs so that's that sounds it sounds really awesome from from where I'm sitting um, it'll be nice at the end of the year to sort of ask go back to your staff and be like so we you know we tweaked it based on what what people's concerns or questions were and how, how's it going you know um, it'd be nice to hear sort of like if, if they feel similarly um, so I guess just, I feel like some of the presentation, there were like these big pieces that, that go together and I feel like for the community to understand sort of the relationship between MTSS, IST, and Power Blocks, right? Because they're like, they're all pieces, or MTSS is the big one, I guess Power Blocks and IST are the pieces within, there, within that. And so I feel like that, that could be helpful to explain in like, 
lay, lay language. And I know we're doing the edgy, edgy speak tonight too, so that might come up twice, but I feel like twice is better than, than, than not. So I think just sort of like the, like a, a basic explanation of the PowerBox ISD within MTSS would be helpful. Okay, so for our power blocks, in the past, students would be pulled out of the classroom for intervention. And although this is effective because you're providing targeted support for students, there is a disconnect between what's happening outside of the classroom versus what's happening in the classroom. It's challenging also to find the appropriate time to pull students out. So if you have one interventionist or maybe two interventionists in the building, it can be challenging to figure out a schedule to say, okay, this is the time block that I have available for third grade. However, with third grade, this time block, I'm teaching new content. So what do we do? Do we pull students out during new instruction? Which really goes against MTSS because we want to provide the addition of uh, the time in addition to what they're, they're currently exposed to as far as grade level content. So with power blocks, these are times that there's no new learning, um, no new concept, concepts are, are introduced. This is a time to provide enrichment for students who need the enrichment, um, targeted intervention for students who may need that. Um, it also provides teachers an opportunity to um, assess students. Um, and so it, it is difficult to do that all on your own as a classroom teacher when you have 20 to 23 kids in the room. So with the power blocks, we'll be able to provide interventionists to go into the classroom and they can work together as a team to say, okay, what do we need to do within this 20 or 30 minute block? What students do I need to work with? What students should you work with? Um, and then over how many periods of, like as far as weeks or days. It also provides like in the moment support. So we can say, well, this morning we did a math lesson and I have a group of students who can freely practice the skill in addition to what we did this morning. Or it could be like previewing what's coming up next. But this is really, effective where students are not missing um, core content. Um, it is a very challenging model because you really have to take a look at everyone's schedule. You really have to work together between the grade level teams to say, okay, when are you going to be teaching reading now? Okay, we can't overlap with third grade because then that really restricts the intervention as our curriculum specialist from going into multiple grades. So we have to stagger those times in the content area. Um, but the way it connects is really just it really does help IST because during that time is when folks can go in to really put eyes on kids and to really provide that support. I don't know if I answered the question, it was kind of long, so I do apologize. Can I just add to that, when you look at the, when you think of MTSS and the different drivers, right, and the different components of those drivers, right, one of which is allocation of resources. When I look at the, the power blocks model, the way that that's, I mean, a lot of the, the work goes on the front end is the scheduling part is really difficult, but when you get a good schedule, Right, and you have a good schedule in place, and and those resources can be allocated more easily because the schedule is set up in such a way. Then that speaks to MTSS, and the same thing with our our new IST model. Again, it's much more efficient as opposed to a whole team of people sitting there listening to a teacher talk. Right, they're rather the people that need to meet with that teacher will do so, and everyone else can go do whatever else whatever else they need to be doing. So, just in terms of speaking to one part of it, that that's how it's a good fit. Or, or both of these things are a good fit. Thank you. Um, and as we talk sometimes or about like horizontal alignment with the elementary schools and then the middle schools. Um, so as far like I know every school has their own IST process and they're all they're not all exactly the same, but they all sort of follow the same processes, right? 
Um, so is this, is Kennedy's like consultation model just a Kennedy thing at this point? Or does, is every school a little bit different? I think any of us can answer that. Can I, can I you want to start? I'll we'll keep start. it brief though, because we want to. Okay. Okay. Well, only just because I want to say, um, Ken has done a great job of collaborating with the other system principals at the other schools. You guys have met a lot just to talk about your ISD processes and kind of things that other schools are doing, just, just to try to align across all elementary levels. Um, I think there are some levels of consultation models, liaisons, I think that has happening at some of the other schools. Um, for the power blocks, um, I know that it's happening at other schools, but they don't call it power blocks. I think it's called instructional blocks. Um, where this is dedicated time to provide support. So, and I've worked closely with the principals just to, just to see, hey, what's worked in your buildings? And, you know, we're gonna try this, we're gonna do this. So we really wanna lean on you and, and your data and, your, and what you've learned from it. So, um, yeah, I think that, that summed it up. And yes, so they're all doing something a little bit differently, but they do consult with each other, especially because we have um, many new APs um, in the elementary level. So they are consulting with each other. And we plan to have a spring summit and kind of debrief on how IST worked in every building and what worked well, what some challenges, and see if there's any shifts we can make. But MTSS, you know, with the rollout of MTSS, they all they all did look at their IST systems and support. So um, it's a it's a working process as we continue to roll out that MTSS. Cool. It's very exciting for me. Obviously, I want I know. any more follow-up questions, but I've, um, thank you so much for the presentation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for my chocolate. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, all right, next. So we have a presentation before you um, that will come for a discussion action item as well for a recommendation for approval. Um, uh, today, we're joined by Ms. Mary Bolero, who is our Franklin High School Science Department Head, as well as Catherine Quigley, Ms. Catherine Quigley, who is one of our science teachers at Franklin High School. They are here to talk through what? I'm not the department head. I'm sorry. That's all right. Science teacher, I promoted you tonight. Congratulations. <laughs> my apologies. I, have, uh, okay. yeah. I still have Rick Astley in my brain. <laughs> last video. No worries. Belize, um, we have a trip being proposed for Belize from the company EF Tours, who you heard from a few meetings ago with regard to uh, a Greece trip. So I will kick it over uh, to the Sclero. Thank you. Um, hello, school committee, superintendent of year, and members of the Franklin community. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to propose this international STEM trip to Belize for February vacation 2024. So our agenda, uh, we have a little bit of sample itinerary that EF has used for our previous tours to Belize with other schools and other programs. Um, we have proposed prerequisites for students. Um, I heard from Mr. Jagir that you are very familiar with EF and what they have to offer and everything else. So if you're okay with me kind of skimming through that part, we're good. Um, we can go over price. Uh, points for the specific tour and equity and accessibility for students. Um, my name is Mary Bolero. I'm a science teacher at FHS. I've been there since 2016. And this would be my first trip through EF tours as a group leader. Um, but I did take a very similar trip in college as a student to Belize, um, an educational trip. And I do have experience 
guiding students in outdoor ed experiences. Hi, my name is Catherine Quigley and I've been a science teacher at FHS since 2021. So this actually would not be my first EF tour. I went on one as a student in high school, but it would be my first time as a leader for EF tours. Um, and when I was in high school, I actually went to Belize for a non-educational trip, but I still hold all of those experiences with me today. Um, and some of the things that I did, we're actually gonna talk about in the itinerary shortly. So first, why, why we travel. Um, immersion into new cultures, uh, specifically uh, with STEM experiences, immersion into nature, um, building core memories with friends, families, classmates, um, generally broadening, broadening uh, especially the students' scope of the world and how they fit into it. Um, and specifically because this is a STEM tour, students will be applying information that they've learned in their courses into hands-on experiences in the field um, in Belize, which we'll talk about in the itinerary. So the proposed dates are for February vacation 2024. Um, EF Tours does ask for some buffer days on either side, so we wouldn't know the exact dates until later at the end of this calendar year, um, but that's the proposal from us. And we would fly into Belize City and from there take a bus um, into the jungle, spend some time in there, and then go down into the, down to the southern coast, spend a few days there, and then up um, further into the northern coast and back to Belize City. And along the way, having many, many different excursions and activities. Um, this is all on this slide, it's all things that have EF has played in the past for past schools. We wouldn't necessarily hit all of these activities because it's just dependent on what local guides or activities are available at the time. But some highlights from past uh, Belize tours are doing some guided hikes with local rangers through the rainforest and doing surveys of local flora and fauna. Exploring coastlines and reefs uh, while observing impact of climate change and coastal erosion and the effects it has on communities, not to mention seeing amazing wildlife. <laughs> I would love to see some manatees. Um, Visiting sustainable farms and learning about climate smart farming practices and agricultural practices. And even though it is a STEM tour, there would also be many more opportunities for students to challenge themselves through cultural immersion and extracurriculars. For example, visiting some Mayan ruins, learning traditional cooking practices of like tortillas or chocolate like straight from the cacao beans, which would be super cool. Um, zip lining or river tubing. Um, also just being immersed and moving through a country so different from our own, um, a more of a developing country and interacting with people there is just so impactful. It would be very impactful for our students. So as this is a STEM-based trip, we're looking to give additional opportunities to students who are taking elective courses that kind of showcase their passion and their interest in the subjects 
in areas like biodiversity, conservation, sustainability, and even things like the impacts of climate change. Um, and all of these topics are discussed in these classes, so it gives students an opportunity to kind of showcase what they know and also build off of the knowledge of what they're learning in this experience. Um, students are expected to be in both good academic and behavioral standing, and in terms of behavioral standing, this is something that we've talked extensively with Ms. Cullinan and Ms. Riley, who are hosting the Greece trip, to kind of align our behavioral standards with with each other and moving forward. All right, so in past years, um, the district has created the portrait of a graduate to kind of exemplify what qualities we want students to gain before they leave the Franklin community. And through personal challenges, knowledge application, collaborative excursions, um, and exposure to new cultural experiences, students will continue to grow um, and show growth towards these attributes given the experiences that they are going to encounter in Belize. So again, do we all feel comfortable with all of the benefits of EF course? Um, lovely. So. The, first, the one additional thing, um, again, just to bring it back to this being a STEM experience for students, EF partners with local guides and experts to integrate STEM project-based learning through into the itinerary. Some of those local experts are park rangers or um, marine researchers, local sustainable farmers. They would go to very interesting and innovative locations, including um, I mean, in the rainforest, being able to do biodiversity transects, different things like that, um, protected area and watershed compliance assessments, um, projects of reforestation. Um, so you really work with the local guides and local people to build these experiences for students that they wouldn't get otherwise, just staying in Franklin. So getting them exposed to it. And these are all the EF signs that I will click through. There we go. All right, so the overall cost for the trip is $4,579, and there's a few ways that students can pay for this. One way is they can just pay it all in full, and then they also have options of payment plans, so they can do bi-weekly payments, or they can do 12 monthly payments of $381. We have talked with EF Tours, and we've come to an agreement that if we get approval and we're able to have a meeting to see what interest is on March 6th, if students sign up within a week, they'll actually get a $100 discount. Um, so that is also something that can help them help them lower their trip costs. Additional things that can help them lower their trip costs through EF Tours specifically is EF Tours has a Global Citizen Scholarship in which they will award students up to $1,000 to put towards their trip. And this can also be used in conjunction with other fundraising or other modes of fundraising. Another thing that EF Tours does is a customizable fundraising page. So they, it's almost like a GoFundMe page, but through EF Tours, and all of the money that's contributed goes straight to whatever student an individual wants to donate it to. Um, other things that we've talked about in terms of what Franklin High School can do is we've talked about different fundraisers, so whether it be raffles or making quilts and selling them, we've talked about quite a few things to kind of help out our students um, and lowering the, the cost. All right, so in terms of equity and accessibility, EF Tours likes 
likes to work with students on a case-by-case -case basis because every student's needs are unique to them, right? So they work their best to support all of the students and their individualized needs. And some of the things that they have done in the past are modifying longer hikes. If they're doing any type of water activities, they'll give life jackets to students. If for some reason a student may not be able to go on a certain excursion, they'll give extra time at other areas so students are still immersed in whatever it is that we're doing. And then for students that are hearing impaired, what are hearing impaired, what they can do is have a translator on site with the tour guide right next to them, translating everything in real time. And for students who have physical impairments, they can actually have a approved travel aid who will kind of help them out throughout the process and that aid will get a 40% off discount for the overall cost of the trip. And thank you for considering our proposal. Um, happy to answer questions. Okay. Hi, great. Um, I have a couple questions about course requirements and behavioral requirements. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, environmental science, behavioral science, comparative anatomy, and thinking biology, what, um, what grades would those cover? So it would be um, rising juniors and seniors for next okay. year. So all of these courses are electives. Um, and again, it's really for the students are showing that they have some sort of passion or interest in these fields that these courses cover. Because they're junior year with required science students. Um, really, after freshman year, they don't have a required science. Yeah. Um, it's typically these are electives that they take. Well, some students take behavioral as a junior, but we would offer this to rising juniors and seniors for next okay. year. Yeah. Um, and then my other question: the um, behavioral requirements would all of the students who would be going on the trip because they're in those courses be students that you would know, or would there be, I've led trips before, yeah. and we had teachers fill out yeah. recommendation forms, yeah. and so you could say, look, you don't know this kid, but I would not want yes. this child on um, trip. I hate, to, I hate to say that, but there's a lot having been on trips, and you want to make sure that the kids are going to make the trip possible for other kids, because misbehavior on a trip means <coughs> it ruins the trip for other kids. Yes. Um, we, again... Um, Catherine mentioned we talked with Ms. Collin and Ms. Riley for the Greece trip and we kind of came to this decision that once they sign up, students, if they have any conduct referrals or detentions or suspensions or in-school suspensions, they would be removed um, from the trip. So that's their incentive to continue to behave well in school. Um, could just, could I add just to that? Yes. I think um, we talked about once you sign up and you're approved to be on that, that's a commitment that you're going to commit to solid behavior. One yeah. other piece we've talked about, we've created a shared drive um, for all trips so that we can share consistency. Um, mm -hmm. We discussed, I discussed with Principal Hannah too, around setting some behavioral expectations up front for families mm -hmm. and students along with timelines around, I know um, as a principal, you know, having done these types of things, looking at the deadlines for refunds and whatnot, and trying mm -hmm. to align that with behavioral check-ins um, would make a lot of sense, I think, just as a parent. Sure. You want to yep. know when when is the, you know, because there could also be a self-opt-out. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want my kid mm -hmm. going on this trip because we're having yeah. trouble at home. Um, yeah. But just to clarify, we are going to hash out um, further um, the, the behavioral expectations around that. Yeah. I think you referenced a few ways in mm -hmm. which behavioral expectations will be set, and they could include 
you know, excessive conduct referrals, uh, attendance and behavior are typically the big three, and making sure you're a good citizen before we're going to take you um, over into another another international yeah. country. And I know Thank that you. students don't always get referrals, and it might be just like word of mouth by teachers that they might just have certain behaviors in class too. Um, and like Mr. Jagir was saying, um, we have a document with listed like through EF tours, 150 days out, you only get this much of a refund in X, Y, Z. So that would be upfront with the parents that if we have to remove your student a month before the trip, you this is the amount of money you get back um, because that's the policy through EF tours. So we are working to make those documents for parents. Well, I just want to say thank you because I, having been on these trips, it is a vacation, but it's not a vacation. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad you get to go, but I know that you're going to be working hard the whole time. Mm -hmm. So thank you. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so um, just want to make sure I was clear with this. So if we get approval, there will be a interest session on March 5th. Um, is Monday the 6th of March? It would be on the 6th, and then 6th. they would have until March 15th to sign up. And if they sign up in that time frame, then they would get an additional $100 off. Okay, okay. Yeah. so then I'm looking at slide number, it's the, okay, just pre work with this. Yes. So, uh, so it'd be any student that's a probably junior now that's taking the course, yep. sophomore now that's taking the course will be doing it next year, uh, would be eligible. Um, and then, the open up spots, I guess, the references 24-25 school year. So that's, so the one bus is 30 students. It's like 38 bodies, so 30 to 33 students and five chaperones. So I anticipate we'll get a lot of interest. I know the Greece trip had a lot of interest, um, but if for whatever reason we don't get 30 bodies, we would open it up to if you are a junior and you haven't taken one of these courses yet, but you anticipate that you want to take it as a senior, um, you can apply, give us a little interest paragraph of why you want to take it, and then we can take your application. Gotcha. Yeah. How's that going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank you. That, that's yep. um, and then, uh, what was, so what's the minimum number of students that you need? So a full bus, so for every six students, we would get one chaperone. So 30 students, we'd get five chaperones. So 30 is kind of like the math, not the math, like 30 to 33 would be. So I would say, I think we're gonna cap it at 30 just in case, like if a student needed an aid, we'd need that extra space for somebody. Um, so we'll start at 30. Okay. And then, um, I know we're doing multiple trips next year at this point, yes. it's this in, in Greece. If a student is on the Greece trip and they've also met these prerequisites for this trip, would they also be eligible, or is it like one or the other? Since I mean, we haven't times. had that discussion or with Mr. Hannah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. But just, I know, just, right? Just, yes, there are many. Which were people that went the Greece thing? Yeah, yeah. So, so have the money. I guess that's a conversation we could have with Mr. Uh, Hannah or Mr. Jagir. Yeah, I'm not sure. We we can have that conversation. I we need to really think about that pretty quickly. Is, these are experiences for kids that we're trying to provide, um, along with a lot of other districts across Massachusetts. But I think we have to be really thoughtful about about that question and, and some of the other questions that we have as we continue. Thank you. Yeah, no, appreciate that. And, and I mean, this is a great trip. I mean, I, was, I went to Belize twice, and it's been all going on vacation is one thing, but I think going as an 
uh, school with students and, and learning about the culture and learning about just the differences, it, it just it opens up your eyes to so many things that you never thought of before. So it's a phenomenal. Um, yeah, that was it. And just one last thing. Uh, kudos on just kind of incorporating the portrait of the graduate and really how does it this trip embody that and, and really the benefits that we will give our students because of this. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you for the presentation. Awesome work. Thank you. Yes, that was my, I've got the portrait of the graduate up on my screen right now because that was really so exciting for me to see how you linked that. Um, and I feel like this like screams like this is an activity, <laughs> like accumulating activity for the students. But um, I know that there's probably not something like that in there. Do they have to do work? So no, um, there was. I don't know to write it down and have that um, look at it 15 years later. So there's, I think, um, through the EF things, there are opportunities where they could do an additional project and get like college credits. Um, I would also love for students to come back to school committee or at the Panther Pride night have like a these are our trips table or something like that to share their experiences with the community. Yeah, thank you for yeah. taking my question seriously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It was a serious yeah. question and you had a really good answer yes. because those would all be very appropriate <laughs> times yep. to share your experience in yeah. some kind of structured way. Yeah. I appreciate that. No worries. Um, and now I'm distracted from, oh, so is it as far as, is it just first come first Sure. So at the parent or the um, the informational night, we would have a Google form, and the students would just fill that in with these are the courses I've taken. So we can kind of do a, a check before they officially put down the ninety five dollars. I want to make sure that they meet the prerequisites. Yeah. Um, and yes, we would go from the top and pick you did the form first, and we'd go through. Um, and if we get more than 30, we could start a wait list. So if somebody had to drop out, or we could take the next person. Or if we get to 60 students, we could take two buses. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so. so like you have a wait list of 59, and then somebody else signs up, and then you have two buses. Yep. Okay. So is this, is this going to be like a Taylor Swift situation where like it's going to crash the server and everybody? I mean, I think the Greece trip stressful. filled in within 20 minutes. I think they were yeah. filled. So it'll. I mean, I would love to get that many right away. Um, the, the question came up too around mm -hmm. posting it live yes. while people were there. Yes. And I think I would just want to point out, if you took the time to go and show up to the trip, it was a matter of saying, we're going to open this up in this moment. And that was mm -hmm. conversations that were had with uh, Ms. Cullen and Ms. Riley um, prior to, as opposed to a Taylor Swift type deadline where it's going to be at 4 o'clock at this point. It was about trying to honor the fact that people who make, took the time to show up and listen to the presentation had an opportunity to sign in in that moment. So, and we, um, sorry, with hopefully your approval, we would start like blasting this up to students like tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, that the informational meeting is the sixth, so they would have next week over vacation week to talk with their families, and then a whole nother week to then like plan. We're going to this meeting, and so I agree that if they take the time and commitment, then they should get those spots. They can start doing chores for money. <laughs> um, so, so I do think that it's important to like underscore to families like you basically you need to be at this info session because we expect that there's going to be high demand just sort of based off the grief thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing we heard some people were a little salty about like the internet connection at that moment, and so there was some frustration there. And so mm -hmm. I wonder if we could have like tech support on hand or some. Sometimes when I get off the Wi-Fi in the school, it's better than trying to be on the Wi-Fi. That's just myself. Gotcha. 
I don't know. Because I feel like when people, you know, people are like, this is such high stress. And mm -hmm. I think these tickets. <laughs> So I think that's it. I'm not. I'm not. We could. I mean, we could gauge what we do if we see that there's like over a hundred families looking to come to the meeting. We can maybe consider that. But if we see that there's only sixty families interested in the meeting, then we wouldn't have to worry about anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is so exciting. Thank you for bringing us to. And oh, and the other thing I was going to say because I asked a lot of questions about the trip Greece trip, trip around like just thinking about equitable experiences, and this is a whole bunch of money, and you know, this is not reasonable for a number of families, mm -hmm. um, and sort of trying to problem solve a little bit the Greece uh, trip, and felt like I couldn't really get very far, and so I feel like you guys brought that all up right at the beginning of the presentation, and I really appreciate it, and I guess like the short answer is there's no free money here, um, unfortunately, but like it does seem like there are a number of options, so if people are truly interested, there could be like ways to work through it. Yeah. I appreciate you guys sticking around for my questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just looking through your um, outline here. Yep. So it says, for every six students, one teacher chaperone. So there would be five teachers attending, or is it parents? Teachers. Teachers, yes. okay. Yes, we how, have. How do you decide which Five teachers. We have a few STEM teachers lined up, considering it's a STEM trip. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just looking at the list. Um, between, they would all teach one of these classes. Okay. Um, so Great. That, that wasn't purposeful, but just looking <laughs> at it, they may, except for Catherine, she does, you do freshman bio. Um, but everybody else teaches one of these types of classes. So yeah. So we are joined tonight um, to, to hear from the middle school on the advisory program that's been put in place. Um, I will kick it over to Ms. Champagne, our assistant principal at Remington Middle School, and Ms. Mahdi, our principal, to introduce our staff that they're joined with to co-facilitate, or to co-present, rather, uh, the presentation on middle school advisory. Once again, just to set expectation, I did ask that they provide a highlight and overview, which meant to share and provide some uh, follow-up on conversations we've had leading back to last spring around advisory across the middle level and whatnot. So I'll kick it over to you, Ms. Mahdi, and Ms. Champagne. Thank you for having us here tonight. Um, I'm Danielle Champagne, the assistant principal at Remington. Um, and also I have with me um, Becky Mahdi, principal at Horace Mann Middle School. We are the two administrators on the Middle School Advisory Committee. Uh, and we have two of our teachers who are on the committee joining us here too. We have Joe Barca, who's our ELA and social studies curriculum leader at the middle level, as well as Elise Kulabali, who is a special education teacher at Remington Middle School. Um, so we are excited um, to share with you tonight an update on our advisory program and the process that the middle school um, staff have engaged in, uh, starting actually this past summer to redesign our advisory program. Um, and then we'll talk about the process we've gone through as well as um, share what a, a day might look like in the advisory program at the middle level. Um, so as I said, starting back in the summer of last summer, we had a advisory working group that um, began working that consisted of administrators from all three middle schools as well as some teachers and we engaged in a number of um, tasks 
We looked back at the work that the social emotional, uh, the SEL committee that the district had uh, previously had up and running. We looked at the work that that committee had done, um, as well as looked at the role that advisory um, plays in continuing to meet the SEL needs of our students. Um, we engaged in a variety of activities to look at strengths of our previous uh, advisory models, as well as looked at what some of the um, common practices across the three middle schools were, as well as some best practices, and we considered those. And then we developed shared goals for our advisory program for this school year. Um, and this slide shows the, um, the goals that we have come up with for our middle school advisory program. So through our advisory program, uh, we hope to provide opportunities for students to first of all develop a meaningful connection um, and build relationships with small uh, groups of peers as well as with their advisory teacher. Uh, we look to directly teach and provide opportunities um, for the development and practice of SEL skills as well as our portrait of our graduate skills. Um, as part of our program too, we look to celebrate differences as well as embrace inclusive practices in a, in a safe environment for students. Um, and I think one of the big things too was to create that common shared experience across all three um, middle schools for students as well as for staff. Um, and I think one of the important things too is we wanna make sure that we are um, gathering input from both staff and students over the course of the school year regarding how advisory is going. Um, and then I think finally, sort of big picture, we would look to develop compassionate citizens who can effectively communicate their needs, their ideas, and their hopes, and with the hope of increasing that sense of belonging and purpose within each of our school communities. So as Ms. Champagne had mentioned, we met this summer uh, at Andy Sullivan Middle School, and during that time, we developed goals and resources for our advisory program. Um, some of the resources that we explored were our second step program. Uh, we also looked at work from our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. We also looked at resources from the responsive classroom um, and also working on opportunities to develop those relationships, especially in our first days of school, which is so very important. Um, one of the tools that we actually created from our time together was this advisory planning document. And this is the document that we still use today So you'll see that this document um, is sort of a scope and sequence for us to use. Um, it was, it's a really great document because it allows for us to be able to provide lessons that are for a whole school, or we can also take the document and differentiate it by grade level. Um, you know, a lesson that a sixth grader might need may look different for an eighth grader, so we really wanted to make sure that we were making those experiences authentic. So in this sample document, we just gave you an example of some of our opening weeks where we did things as an entire grade six through eight span, doing some similar documents, and then in this week started breaking out um, by grade level to do some differentiated topics. Um, and just logistically to, plan, uh, to give a framework, advisory happens every morning um, from 7.20 to 7.40. Uh, the structure that we looked to maintain based on feedback from our teachers who have been advisors for many years and also just in building a structure that's uh, manageable for everybody, both students who 
um, at 7.20 on a Monday is sometimes a little sleepy. Um, and then also by Friday, uh, maybe needing some time for team building. So you'll see the structure on this page where we do typically more of a weekend check-in. It gives our administrators an opportunity to launch what the themes for the week will be. Um, we usually do that either through video team news or Google Meets or whatever mechanism um, that we have for communicating school-wide. And then really the crux of some lessons or activities take place during Tuesday through Thursday um, with that team building opportunity um, for our advisors on Friday. And our goal is to really have this be a bank of resources for our teachers with a little bit of choice and flexibility. So things that we have designated as essential, they, uh, we, we, de we designate that. Things that are more choice, uh, we provide choice and options and then always looking for that feedback from our, from our teachers. Um, so as we as we move from the summer to the fall, we relaunched our advisory program with our all of our teachers coming together and using some professional development time. We've been work, working really collaboratively with central office staff to designate some of the different PD time for our different initiatives. Um, we also developed a year-long advisory committee. Those that worked in the summer weren't obligated to continue over, but we did have some participation carry over from the summer to the fall, which has been really helpful. Um, Again, looking to seek input from teachers and students. We've given one survey, more formal survey to teachers at this point. We're now past the midpoint of the year, so we're looking to do, uh, put together another survey both for staff and then for students as well. Um, we're making adjustments ongoing and, and taking those recommendations to try to improve and streamline our process. And then also working collaboratively with some of our SEL um, curriculum that we're implementing at the middle level. For example, deciding that the second unit of our second step program would be a better place in our health classes because the topics were bullying and harassment. So just having that be a very collaborative approach to figure out what topics should be covered in um, and talked about in advisory where um, or where they might be best suited in other places. These are just some samples of some feedback that we've gotten from students um, along the way. Again, this has been more informal, and we're looking to do a formal survey through a Google form now at the midpoint year. Um, but in our school, we always ask in the opening week of school, have you made a connection with a teacher? And so this is some of our data that we got, which really shows that our orientation activities and things like advisory do make a huge impact. For our students, as you see, the majority of our seventh, vast majority of our seventh and eighth graders have that connection. Sixth graders who are brand new to our school are building that connection, but just within the opening week are feeling like they're connecting with their teachers, which is great. And then just some quotes from some of our students currently. I like talking about coping strategies. They help with working on things that are tough from a seventh grader. Uh, another seventh grader added in advisory, we talk about identifying our emotions. Sometimes you don't know what we're feeling and I liked talking about that. And then finally, I like that advisory is every day. It's a great way to start my morning slowly, which is very appropriate coming from a sixth grader. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm just gonna highlight some of the uh, activities that we do during advisory. As Ms. Motti said, uh, we have that check-in on Monday morning, bright and early, uh, so we can check in, see how the student's weekend was, see where they are entering the school building, and then kind of setting them up for the week, uh, which I think is a great way to start. Um, some of the focus activities that we've done throughout the year, uh, currently, uh, excuse me, we're working on 
different holidays and celebrations to bring awareness to everybody uh, for all students. Uh, one that we're rolling out now is um, celebrating black history heroes. And there's readings and music and videos. Some of those heroes um, that we're covering are Serena Williams, Maya Angelou, and Thurgood Marshall. And that goes to all grade levels. Uh, another uh, week that we focused on was STEM week. There was a variety of challenges for the kids. My favorite was they all got a piece of paper and they had to do the paper chain challenge. And they all had to try to make the longest chain out of the same piece of paper. Uh, some were successful, some weren't. Some were long, some weren't. It was, but it was kids working together. You know, it was a really fun way to deal with the STEM uh, side of uh, school. Um, as Ms. Motti said, we work a lot on coping skills. We focused on some personal and academic goals. Uh, and then follow that up with some box breathing to calm the stress of those personal and academic goals. Um, and currently, we're doing a team building activity where there's a choice board uh, the week before vacation here where kids can choose to play Name That Tune or Silent Ball or do some back-to-back -back drawing, uh, challenging uh, things that build relationships and unity in that smaller group uh, with that teacher and to build relationships. I think we have some pictures of that chain challenge, Mr. Barnbeck. <laughs> Um, so these are some pictures from our advisory groups, and we're happy to take any questions that you might have. Thank you. I'll go with questions, comments, Camille? No questions on a seventh grader who, um, it's hard to get information out of, but <laughs> <laughs> I do hear about how fun advisory is and the things that he's learning, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that we have this program, especially middle level. Um, <clears throat> as we know, the middle school, I think is the, probably the most volatile group where you, the kids are like, all emotions are coming in and just changes and just trying to figure out who you are and where you go. I think this is a great way to just pause and talk and like, realize that you're not so different than everybody else and we're all going through it together. So um, great opportunity to have this and maybe open up the dialogue for discussion and make it easier for kids to have those discussions when they come back home or with other, others as well before you know they get too far gone. You know, they think they do everything. So, um, so, so thank you for, for running this. Um, I liked how you did the differential programming for each grade level, because that, that makes sense. Um, one thing I wanted to know is like really around the, the eighth graders. Um, is there going to be a partnership with the high school near the tail end of the school year um, so that you, my advisory is more around that transition to high school? Like, I guess, like, how's that look like? Or what's yeah, it? it's a great idea, and I think it's something that we'll continue talking about. We currently have, um, I think they're more the transition activities we do for eighth graders going into ninth grade are a bit separate from advisory. Uh, they tend to use the time of day like flex. Uh, where we just had some music programming and some art presentations um, and we usually take a tour at the high school um, for all students. Um, Tri-County just came to do interviews so there have been a lot of these transition activities and sometimes they don't work at that 720 time um, but that being said some of the, the probing questions or discussion questions can certainly be around that for example course recommendations and course um, selection is happening and I know that our teachers who have eighth graders either in advisory or in classes have been engaging in some of those conversations. And I do think it creates a safe space for them to, to, to hear about things and then also 
um, to learn some of the skills associated. They might know, may not know a name um, of what they're feeling or they may not know what a coping strategy is exactly, but um, giving them a little bit of research and a little bit of information as well as the time to practice some of those skills or have some of those discussions, I think, will be important for our eighth graders um, in that way. Thank you. Um, and I guess from the, I know that you got the survey for the students in terms of making connections. Yeah. Are there surveys out to the teachers in terms of how um, the advisory is going and, and where they, what their sentiment is? Yeah, we did. Do you want to talk a little bit sure. about uh, the first yeah, one? Sure. We, uh, we did a survey back um, probably in October or November um, just asking for some feedback on how they felt advisory was going. And as a result of that, we were able to make some adjustments um, in terms of pacing of our lessons, um, in terms of, I think we had got some feedback about they loved the team building idea on Fridays, but could we offer some, some more suggestions on what to do? So we really took some of that feedback and um, made adjustments at that point. And then we've also, as we have teachers on, on the committee too, have gotten some informal feedback from their colleagues too. And, and when we meet um, each month, we've, we've made some small adjustments as a result of that. And then, like we said, we do have a plan. Um, we just talked about it at our last meeting, of doing another staff survey um, next month in March. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and once again, back to just the changing of the landscape of education. I mean, it's not your typical textbook teaching at this point. You know, we're not going to a book and like, okay, this is advisory, you know, 101. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's all these other life skills and, and just things that you don't expect to be done at the school um, that we're doing for our students, which is great, and I, I commend the teachers for kind of going the extra mile to do this and, and really um, step out of their, not their comfort zone, but just doing something different than, than what we they probably expected coming into education. They're very invested, the teachers, and they see the importance, I think, especially at the middle level. I know Mr. Hanna is doing some advisory work at the high school level, so seeing it as a secondary need, and uh, we do. We have amazing teachers who see the value of it, um, understand how important it is, and are really invested in helping us figure out some of the right combinations of what to offer. Well, thank you. Um, I, I think this slide about the goals, the updated goals of the middle school advisory program is just so strong. It's just so strong. It's really impressive and it's just, um, I feel like, frameable. Um, but I like this stuff. So um, maybe not frameable to everybody. Um, so, um, sorry, that's my train of thought. I'm gonna ask an unrelated question. Um, do the students stay with the same peers year to year and the same staff person year to year, or is that like every year it's a little bit different? I think across all three schools it changes year to year. Okay. Um, I know there are some advisory models that have stayed and there are pros and cons to both. Mm -hmm. We found that the mix of students every year, they build some nice connections within that year and because we meet, there are some advisory models where you don't meet every day, but this one meets every day. So the idea that they're meeting, uh, they do become a bit like a family. Um, and we know that that can have pros and cons if they're together for too long. Um, and so, and also with the goal of being to make connections with teachers outside of their teaching subjects or being graded, um, we, we uh, at the middle level in Franklin right now feel it's good to connect them with a different advisory teacher every year. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't like looking for a right answer or a wrong answer, but that does that makes a lot of sense. I think at the high school at this point they're gonna they're this, looking they to stay. move as a cohort. They stay. Yeah. So this right. is great to have this experience first yeah. as you're in middle school and yeah. relationships as uh, you've mentioned. 
developmentally. We're all, I think back to middle school, trying to carve our way, figure out who we are and whatnot. So it provides just a fresh, fresh look um, each year and a new opportunity to build new relationships, try new strategies. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I'm just proud of the, the work that's, that's occurring in this area particularly. I think anecdotally too, I can just add, I have a special education teacher every year who just tells me what a highlight it is to work with students who aren't on her caseload and to get to know students in a different way. So I think it just provides, it really is a two-way um, benefit, what it provides for our entire school community. So just a little anecdote um, to add to that. Absolutely, and that's so valuable, I think, is like having that different perspective of kids outside, kids that you'd be working with ordinarily. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's a good point. So it's not just classroom teachers, like the general ed classroom teachers that are running advisory. Is it every single staff member, or are there a couple that don't have advisory because they're obviously doing other things at that time? It, um, it's, it's most yeah. staff members. Mm -hmm. um, I think at each building we have a few staff members who are engaged in other things at a time or who might be going between different schools um, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. But I would say in all of our schools, it's a majority of our, yeah. our teachers, including all of our unified arts teachers. Yeah, that's really, uh, yeah, because my, my son's a seventh grader too, and um, I know that, that last year and this year, he just raves about his advisory um, teachers, and neither of them are general are classroom teachers. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like you said, it's sort of like giving them connections and mm -hmm. bonds with people that they wouldn't see ordinarily right. and have conversations with and get to know it all. So it's like the whole school, you know, whole school yeah. on board. And, yeah. and right. Um, and so I think, I do remember what I was going to say, going back to the goals, as far as like the social emotional learning and that tier one, like universal instruction for all students, you know, at the elementary school, when you have a kid in your room for six hours a day, you can sort of like have the teachable moments when you, when you, when you're able to, because you have six hours, but in the middle school and the high school, it's like you're content driven, you have this, the start and the end time, this is the only time you're going to see these students um, within these four walls, and so I think like, to have advisory carved out of the schedule and like like taking up space in the schedule that is very purposeful with these one, two, three, four, five goals, um, to really be focusing on this is just so, such a huge value. And I think really like when we're talking about the whole student, the whole child, you know, we're not just talking about history, memorizing history dates and math facts and, you know, answering questions in ELA about a vocation thread, but really talking about um, developing these students into, as the last bullet says, compassionate citizens. And I think that um, there's a lot, of, a lot of power to this, and I just commend you for your work on this. Um, is the advisory committee going to continue on to next year? Like, is this committee going to keep keep chugging, keep planning, and... That's the goal, yeah. yeah. And we'd like to just keep building, um, get some new interested staff who may not have known about it, or I think we've built in more flexibility even in the committee work we've done, knowing that a lot of this planning doesn't have to be done with us all sitting around a table together. So we'll continue to um, look to enlist um, those that have been a part of the, part of implementing it into helping us with some of the planning and oversight. Absolutely, and sort of to the point with the Kennedy um, presentation earlier, as far as like efficiency and, and staff time, like nobody has extra time to be sitting in a meeting and um, you know, like not doing productive work at that moment. So with Google Docs and all, like yeah. technology can really help us sort of work asynchronously whenever different people have little bits of time carved out. And, and, and the rationale for the committee too is that you figure 100 teachers over the course of the three buildings doing an advisory this takes a lot of the planning mm -hmm. um, they implement but the planning is pretty much done for them so that 
um, they again just making it efficient and making it consistent across the three buildings. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, just looking at the pie chart that you had provided. Yeah. It kind of breaks my heart to see the number in the red, the 34% for grade six and the 18% for seven and eight. Keep in mind that this is the opening week of school. So uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Of course, like mm -hmm. I know that, you know, the sixth graders, they're mm -hmm. just- Taking a lot in, yes. Yeah. <laughs> is there a way to check in on the students who think that they have no one to talk to? Like that just breaks my heart. Yeah. And I'm sure that it's meant to be, you know, anonymous, but I mean, do we check in throughout the year? Um, I know that we, we just make such a, big deal as we should about the mental health of our students and it just mm -hmm. yeah and I think I think it's important to be honest about that we don't hit every you know we don't connect make those connections just in the opening week that it takes multiple layers um, of, of you know touches and instruction and opportunities for students I think this also shows our students are honest when they reflect on some of these and we give them these surveys um, and then it was very intentional to put the not yet for the red that um, they may not have made that connection yet but will that that means that we'll work together to build that um, so yes this information tends to be shared with um, you know certainly administration but also our guidance departments our teams just to let them know um, this is where and if we see anything um, on a more individual basis that needs to be addressed depending on what the nature of the survey was um, sometimes it's a highlight sometimes it, it's do you have a question is there a need um, to check in with one-on-one -on -one with somebody that might be um, you know an opportunity to make that connection to start to build a, a, a more individual relationship. Thank you very much. Of course. Um, I'm unclear. Is it anonymous? So you're saying it's not anonymous, so you can't follow up on the kids who put the red? These are the, yeah, the surveys are not anonymous for okay. the students. Yeah. So, um, and I do think, so there's like the, the quantitative data that you can gather on who's feeling like, you know, those connections yet or not yet. Um, but also I think like just the, the advisor, whoever's in charge of that advisory, like if they're seeing that face walk in five times a week and then, you know, week after week, then they can sort of like get a read. And I think that's like a lot of the value there. It's like if somebody's usually smiling and then for a week they're not smiling, it's like, oh, that's not the usual, the usual affect that I see from this kid. And so then they can sort of like make, you know, whatever, go through whatever process or have a conversation or whatever it is. Like it's sort of like they can, they can just like get the temperature, get the read on the student emotions in the morning. Sure. Um, the just from past experience, we've used the phrase "trusted adult," and we realized kids were like, "I'm not going to tell you my deep, dark secrets." So, the phrasing of the question, first of all, I love that you have the "not yet," um, but I would explore like is positive connection. Like, how would kids read that? Maybe even ask a bank of kids, like, "What does that mean?" Because mm -hmm. we found the word "trusted adult" just like I'm not telling you my personal like everything and. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily kids who, when I would get a list, I'd be like, what? We, we're, the, we're buddies every single day. But it's, yeah. they don't, they're not going to tell me their deepest dark yeah. secrets. So we just, we have to make sure that the questions, I know, I'm sure you're doing this, is that the kids are interpreting the question mm -hmm. the same way. Yeah. 
It's a good point, and I think when we talk one-on-one, -on -one, we talk about someone you've made a connection with, because we also don't want it to limit it to just to who they have as teachers currently. Yeah. Um, especially for our seventh and eighth graders, sometimes there's a former teacher that they've connected with that they would still go and talk to. Um, and um, yeah, I do think anecdotally we do have that data that that advisory teacher becomes that person that they're comfortable with. And we did qualify it with someone that you would go to if you had a question or needed help. But I think that that term, we should look at that, I agree. <laughs> so quick, I'm, it's just like a one quick. word answer. How many, about average, how many students in an advisory group? Uh, I would say Ten around 15. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah. There's my grade level, I think at, yeah, around, usually around 12 or 13, mm -hmm. would be about average. Mm -hmm. Thank you all so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should be here next. We have a speaker. I just wanted to. I'm very excited about. Yes. Yes. Not that I wasn't excited for the advisory update. Through you, I just wanted to just put a, a period on the end of the advisory discussion and presentation and say, I appreciated the questions and the comments and the feedback, but certainly I, I also wanted to just point out and thank our advisory committee for putting those lessons together and jumping in this summer. Um, based on just everything we've learned about kids, you know, particularly as we kind of went through the pandemic, and then last year when we looked at what systems do we have in place, um, this group has really worked hard along with our teachers to say, what are we gonna do that's really, what are the non-negotiables and what are the negotiables? So that we have the flexibility, we have great um, staff that's ready to jump in, but I wanna thank you all personally for your work on this and leadership and the way um, you've approached this and rolled this out I think has made it accessible and um, has really helped our everybody, or all of our teachers kind of get on the same page and hold this out, so thank you all. Thank you. 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 Dr. Rogers is here to share. She's posted it up on, on the board for uh, all to see, and she'll just give a, an overview, and she'll talk about where this can be found later on. Sure thing. So I can go into as much detail as we'd like. Um, the goal here, of course, as we use so many acronyms in public education that we wanted to, for the community, and by way of um, lots of questions that come to the surface of the community in our conversations, to have a living document where we can kind of capture what those are. And then wherever possible, you'll notice that we did link when there were credible, reliable resources, like the Department of Education being the first one. What we wanted to try not to do was to link um, to resources that we might need to kind of frequently check for validity or changing or you know things that are paid for subscriptions. So, You'll notice that when things are linked, they're mainly linking to the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Um, so we started with a list, and I would say as the community has questions and as questions arise, this is something that we want to keep evolving um, and even adding to some of the descriptions within each of the acronyms there. So you can see here we started with some some ones that come up a lot, DESE being you know the state agency, Department of Elementary Secondary Education. I don't I'm, I don't know if you want me to go through all of these. I certainly can, um, but we try to um, you know speak to MTSS and then break down those tiered supports. 
again, those tiers when we're linking to, those are the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. We have UDL, which is often synonymous when we talk about MTSS. We talk about universal design for learning because both one's a structure and a framework and the other is um, an approach to designing learning that removes barriers. So oftentimes you'll see those two very connected. Um, DEI here, we did link to our um, Franklin website uh, because the committee over time has spent uh, a lot of time developing our definitions of what diversity, equity, inclusion means. So that's where that link will take folks. Um, MCAS is, is here as well, which is the state um, standardized testing from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. And then as you get into the second page, we then get into um, IEPs, which I would say uh, is certainly a legal document. And what we don't outline here, which we might want to add, is that this, there's steps that go into a process before an individualized education plan is put into, into practice. It is a legal document, but it's one that's created by a team um, of both the parents and educators coming together. Uh, we further then talk about ELD and ESL. This is another one where um, a lot of terms are kind of percolating in the education world right now, being multilingual learners. So you'll see MLL, you'll see ELL, you'll see ES. So here we highlighted two that we use most frequently in Franklin, which is the English Language Development Program, um, or English Language Development within um, non-native English speakers. And then English as a second language um, often refers to like teachers accreditations or then um, their licensures. And then we end with SEL, uh, social emotional learning, um, which you know we talked quite a bit about this evening. And then UBD or understanding by design, which is um, the really the instructional design strategy that we use to develop curriculum often it's referred to as backwards design so you're planning with the end goal in mind so just trying to again give you some brief descriptors we are uh, up, always welcoming feedback to add to this list this list will live on and be posted on the Franklin Public Schools website for folks to access that and there's questions or yeah. input yeah yep. You. I'm wondering if just based on recent conversations we could add IST. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and also if we could put it in alphabetical order. Okay. You prefer alphabetical order rather than categorizing? Probably. Okay. <laughs> Alright, well she's the chair, so just just a thought. As long as people can find it. As long as people can find what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I would agree category makes more sense to me personally. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, no, this is great. And if we could just, when it is up, if we could, I know this could let the community know, because I have a lot of people have mm -hmm. expressed frustrations about not being able to understand some acronyms. Yeah. So we could probably work with yeah, sure. this week. Perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, it may be best to put it in like the district newsletter. We just, no. just whisper that. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so if people, if people, if there's something that like isn't on our radar right this moment mm -hmm. to go on that they are curious about, is there like, should they email the school committee and ask for us to put it on? Or is there a, a link somewhere, a, a Google form possibly? I don't know. If, if 
if things come up, I think just to keep it responsive as possible, if someone is emailed, whether it's a school committee member or someone on our team or me, we can certainly um, look to add it if we can. Because we might not know, you know, like we might not flag certain applicants right. as right. we're talking about them, but somebody's sitting at home and like scratching their head. Right. right. And to be honest, we had a list of probably 20 I bet. that we could put up, but we wanted to start in a digestible way that, what are we frequently that we're frequently talking about. Right. Yeah. So like we have, so Tina, like as part of like this handout that you yeah. have worked on where it says, you know, please contact the school district with anything not included below okay. for inclusion in future lists. Maybe we could use like Add that the language, yep. like at the mm -hmm. bottom, just absolutely reach out. Yeah, maybe with some disclaimer that's like commonly, commonly used acronym, so it's not just like everything under the sun. Sure. That would get a there's also some information in the back of the budget document, um, which I know is extensive, but the glossary and FAQs have a lot some of these terms, not all of them, but I will incorporate them in this year as well. So that would be another opportunity for folks to see all the people who actually go through our budget information. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. You're welcome. All right. Discussion action items. Mr. Right. G. All right, first up, we have uh, you received a presentation tonight on the Belize trip, so I recommend approval of the request of Ms. Valero and Ms. Quigley to take the FHS students to Belize from February 17th to the 24th of 2024, as presented. All right, is there a motion to approve the request to take FHS students to Belize as discussed? No motion. Is there a second? Second. All right, discussion, questions? Nope. All right, seeing none, vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Next, Mr. Chair. Next. Next, we have the 2023-24 calendar. It's that time of year, um, calendar season. Um, we have some information to share around this recommendation. Um, I can share it now, or do I need to recommend it and open it? I can present and then allow it and then recommend it. Yeah. All. Okay. So um, I'll be sharing in some of the information. Dr. Rogers is going to help me as well to just talk through some of the, the recommended changes in the process that we've undertaken. And I know um, there'll, be, there'll be some further discussion tonight. The calendar, uh, as you can see, uh, we have the first day of school listed as August 28th. Um, and then uh, you'll see that we've put the, uh, the professional development day as the next day. So to combine and block um, the first two days of the year for staff so that we combine with our opening day, which includes you know, our, our welcome to teachers and then a host of different scenarios and activities that take place throughout that day in preparation for students. We've then front-loaded the professional development day we usually see in that week. It's typically been on a Friday and have that, um, have that take place right away. Um, there are other districts that do this as well. Um, one of the thoughts, and one of the, you know, I let, I'll let Tina chime in as well, was around trying to take advantage of this time while we have uh, a, fo a focused staff with those days, and then uh, hopefully lead to better uh, re readiness and preparation for students as they enter to start their first day of school, which would be August 30th. Um, you'll notice uh, where the, the blue is where we have our calendar holidays or um, religious days that are listed here, whether they're federal or religious. And we've also included where the conference times would be as well. Uh, final point I'd make, and we can get into more detail, but it's around the early release days, and I'll let 
Tina, I'll kick it to you at this point to just kind of talk through where we landed with this and how we arrived at the recommendation you have before you. And open it up. Um, so to start, I would say we put out a survey to all staff um, that gave them three options of calendar start dates. Um, one being what you see in front of you, another being uh, a half day, it's putting a um, half day for students on the Friday of September 1st, and another staying consistent with what happened the past few years with the PDB day being that Friday before Labor Day. So of the staff survey, we received 413 responses, 52.9% um, of administrators and 45.2% of teachers selected the option that you see in front of you, which, which was the um, highest rated option, mm -hmm. uh, which is why we're presenting this calendar to you. As far as the half days, um, we received feedback from administrators, some anecdotal feedback from teachers. We did not specifically survey on half days. We did give the entire calendar to the executive board of the um, FEA, and they provided feedback and are in support of this calendar as well, but not all staff were surveyed for half days. It was just anecdotal conversations. Um, and we see some, some community feedback around placement of half days and the um, providing a, a more of an equitable opportunity for students to access you know, things like the PE and wellness and art and music. If, if half days are consistently on Fridays, though there's something to be said about a consistent schedule, that students might be miss, that missing the same, the same students are missing the same academic or extracurricular activities. So what we try to do is consider that feedback and as it relates to a, a family or a student, um, equally disperse the half days between Tuesday to Friday. So we did stay away from Mondays because there's so many Monday holidays. Um, so as it relates to a student missing a half day or a family, we would be, there would be three early releases on a Tuesday, four on a Wednesday, three on a Thursday, and four on a Friday. So those are both taking into account half PD days and parent-teacher conferences. Um, we did make an adjustment uh, to the March conferences that are this year, uh, this year as for next year, because this year we have them up on a Wednesday, Thursday. But again, to think about that equity around those half days, um, moved it to a Tuesday, Wednesday in March. Just to hit on um, the other piece of it is, there, uh, you'll notice that there's um, an addendum to the calendar. Uh, there's a calendar that also recognizes the whole host of um, a variety of different holidays, federal and religious, that take place um, throughout a school year. So trying to draw attention and, and point out um, what's observed and um, I want you to know that we also have policy which talks through this at the school committee level around students and staff um, and it's in their uh, staff bargaining contract as well around religious exemptions for holidays uh, whether we support or, or mark them as days off or not um, for that provision so um, at this point I think I'll open it up for questions and just you know I will, I will recommend I recommend Approval of the 2023-24 school calendar as discussed. Is there a motion? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Discussion questions. Um, before we begin, I just wanted to make um, thank you. Just touch on that. So the school committee, we did receive a request to add Diwali as a no school holiday to the school calendar. Um, after receiving said request, 
Um, I did do research on the schools who most recently had discussions around changing holidays, and that list was included in the packet in the very last page. Um, reviewing the other school districts in the Hockamock League separately, they have not added religious holidays. Um, in fact, two removed the Jewish holidays and went to aligning more to the state federal holidays, um, and that was Stoughton and Taunton. Um, also, in spending this time on calendar research, I noted that a lot of school districts included a list of religious observances, along with their policies, IMBB and IMDCE, which we also have, um, and that outlines handling absences and scheduling on days which require special consideration regarding religious observances, also included in your packet. Um, obviously, it's not all-inclusive, which is why um, we want to make sure we add the, the caveat that you know, if there's anything that's not listed below, please reach out for inclusion in future lists. Um, and after meeting with Lucas and Tina, um, we wanted to bring all this to your attention. Also, just wanted to note that adding a no school holiday to the calendar isn't just as easy as just pushing a button, unfortunately. Um, you know, the school committee has to assess if there's enough interest in the community to make adding a holiday to the calendar a high priority. I know that we talked about sending a survey to families at the end of the school year for calendar input. Um, and also adding any additional days would mean extending the school year and having to work with the unions to ensure we're meeting the 180 school days. Um, I think that's it. I think I covered everything. So now, Camille. Um, I really appreciate that list, man. Um, is there an effort made to make teachers aware of not scheduling um, homework or allowing students um, extra time to complete homework during those days? Because although it might be a day, sometimes preparing for the holiday is quite a bit of time, or, um, or, or just uh, making staff aware of the month of Ramadan, students can um, very often, you know, they're going all day without eating. Um, and I just, I just want to make sure that that, that that sensitivity about students. Um, I, I like that there are strict homework policies, you know, for late work, but I do want to make sure we're sensitive to people celebrating their cultural traditions in a way that so the, the answer is, is yes. Um, you'll notice in the calendar that uh, lists all the observed holidays that occur throughout a, a year. You'll see asterisks that talk about when it's celebrated at sundown. Um, and I think one thing we would want to do is provide education to our staff around these days so that we're all cognizant. Um, from uh, the point you're making, uh, Ms. Bernstein, is around not only celebrating holidays, but also um, recognizing that this is a holiday for students and when we know that we um, need to take that into consideration with regard to homework and exams and whatnot and yes so the answer is yes about providing some education and training for staff around these dates and holiday and to be mindful of it and then throughout the year I think just in time updates would be um, certainly helpful um, for our whole district and our system and it also um, would be a way to I know I, I like learning about them, and, right. and so I really appreciate the description of them too. And I think um, in newsletters or, or wherever that would be useful mm -hmm. for families to learn about it. So thank you, appreciate it. Okay. 
thank you. Um, so one, um, always thank you for the collaboration that you do with the, the teachers and the, the staff just to get in, input. Um, I'd like to hear how you, you know, got to the schedule and really was thoughtful about this and really gave some um, preview to the, the staff just to get their input as well before getting it to us. Um, definitely great to be flattered. Um, looking at this, just want to clarify, the half days are all half days with the exception of the student conference for half days. Are those half PD days as well or um, are some not? Yes, so all the ones that are highlighted in orange mm -hmm. on the calendar would be early release for students and a full day for staff, uh, for teachers, for professional development. Uh, and if, if possible, can we maybe highlight that out to, so, so folks know that it's not just an early release sure. day, there is actual work the, the yeah. educators are doing um, <laughs> once the students leave, because uh, I think that's one of the misconceptions that I've, yeah. I've heard and seen mm -hmm. is that it's a half day to, for the teachers and it's, it's not. Um, yep. So yep, I think just, just maybe just like a footnote, like how we do with the full professional days. And, and then um, a couple additions that I would love to see happen. I know like on this calendar, we, we for this year, we called out the um, latest possible date uh, if we exhaust all of our snow days. I think it would be good to have that there. Um, and then for the high school graduation, uh, I know that's always a common question is when is the graduation? I don't know if we have that scheduled in advance already, if we could have that as a footnote is there as well. First Friday. Yeah, the first Friday, is, it's, it's historically been in Franklin the first Friday of June, but I understand the point. Yeah, exactly. This is one, one thing just to at least have it there. Um, and it's, it's a silly question, this one in, in disregard of it, 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 you know, it may be. Um, why do we have July print on this, this calendar? <laughs> just, just curious, if you're going to save some ink and not production. Because we have August as well. <laughs> <laughs> just to create a full, uh, a full, full year. year. Okay. <laughs> you know, you can, you sure. Use it <laughs> It'd be uneven. Yeah. Well, and I think we have full year staff as well. Okay. And right. so I think you know the observance of July Fourth being <laughs> there as well. But fair, yeah. fair enough. Like I said, like yeah. I said, just, just throwing it up there. Yeah. Uh, but no, thank you. This has been uh, this is good. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Do it. <laughs> we can't just put a picture of the beach there. No, I know. I know. We need to be equitable with our full year employees. Very much respect our work. So I think at first glance, as I remember living November 22, November 23 also looks like no school in November. It's just like so many half days. I know, I know. And I know that contractually we're probably obligated to stop. And so I guess like if we could, like obviously Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, historically Franklin's always had the day before Thanksgiving off instead of half a day. Mm -hmm. um, the election day, of course, needs to be PD day because we don't want people walking through our schools when kids are in classes. And um, conferences need to happen at some point. So I guess it's just like the conferences and the ninth half day. Like, why are why are they there? I guess. So what? I'm sure there's a reason. So conferences in the fall um, tend to happen kind of prior to the term one quarter, one end. Mm -hmm. And so uh, over time, I think it's fluctuated between months, but going earlier than November 
there's not as much time to build community and relationships and really have a well-rounded picture to have a conversation about student progress and supports that are needed on both you know, home and school side. Um, and then when you get into the December, January month timeframes, it, it's kind of that feeling of, I wish we could have met a little sooner because it feels a little bit later. It's just hard. And, I, and then what I would say around the November, we have um, gone back and forth around potentially not doing a half day for PD in November. Um, and the way that we've looked at some time frames is if we already have an interrupted week for students being two weeks off, which is not ideal in any space, that having um, the last week in November and then three straight weeks after that that are uninterrupted five full days um, was more advantageous than maybe moving the ninth to say the first of December and then making, you know, having one, two, three, four full interrupted weeks of, you know, of um, not full days. It makes sense. It's like in for a penny, in for a pound. It's, it's yeah, and then we, we've also crazy three weeks. we've also played around with the idea. You, as you might know, in May there's not a lot. There's no half days but because we have state standardized testing in May. It's mm -hmm. really that's we have it in April as well, but that's really a, a big month for that. And so to have days during that, you know, we've gone kind of back and forth um, and had conversations with you know the president, vice president of the union around this too, and kind of landed on. What we, where we're, where we're at. Um, on that same topic, um, the November PD day, had you discussed the Monday after Thanksgiving? Um, so that, especially given the recent travel problems during the holidays, that would be a buffer for the families to return from those holidays, and it's a teacher um, PD day. So meeting moving the night? The, the seven. The, P, uh, the full day. Right. That's election day. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And that's election. So some towns don't have that. Is but that because of where the voting happens? Yeah. Okay. That's too bad. Yeah, because a half day doesn't make sense in the morning. If you come halfway through the day, that makes sense. Right. But yeah. Um, so this may not make any sense, but no, I'm trying to think if you can merge that half day PD with the conferences, but you can't because then it would count as no day of school for kids, so it pushes out in June. I don't know. This is tricky, and I know you have done a lot, a lot of work on it, and I very much appreciate all the holidays, um, or all the holidays that were included there, and um, I, yeah, because I, um, the term one, the, that I, I agree with Tina's point of having those three solid weeks, you know, the, to put it in the first full week of December, it, teachers are trying to finish term one and do report cards and that you can't also prepare for a conference at the same time. So that wouldn't work. And then, yeah, any two weeks after that, it's like, I needed to meet you a month ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, oof. No matter what we decide, it's gonna not be popular on Facebook, so. So what what about the conferences on the 20th and 21st? I mean, what is, do we know like attendance 
mean, my school has a half day on the 22nd. It is sadly attended. <laughs> but was there any discussion of having um, the conferences on the 20th and the 21st? There wasn't. It certainly we could. Um, the reason for putting, we actually pushed them back a week yeah. um, based on feedback around having a full day PD day yeah. and then the stress of, con not stress, but yeah. the planning for conferences, yeah. then you can't really focus and commit to the PD opportunities. Right. So, and additionally, um, we typically run faculty and department meetings the first and third Wednesday of the month. Yeah. So doing it this way allows for a longer period of time yeah. for teachers to meet with families. Yeah. The other piece is too, by keeping it there, there's an opportunity for a family to meet with a teacher, get feedback on a student, and then the student have an opportunity before the end of the term mm -hmm. to make yeah. adjustments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and is November 1st and 2nd too early? Like that seems like I'm still getting to know the kids. Yeah, it's uh, that. There's also other. Um, things occurring with SMART goals and approvals and uh, uh, whatnot, so I think I we see. tried it sooner, okay. um, but the, the I know, biggest, I it used to be earlier. yeah, the, so. the biggest push was around having the, um, just being prepared with enough information that could be useful, but not too close to the end of the term, mm -hmm. and uh, like you said, there's no, um, there's no exact science to this or perfect science, and certainly, you know, um, we recognize that, mm -hmm. you know, but we put, what we've put forth is really based on feedback we've had from from our team and the teachers and um, working collaboratively with the union and recognizing, as Ms. Spencer said, at the end of the year, it's an opportunity to revisit also to try to see what worked and what didn't mm -hmm. with our community and whatnot um, mm -hmm. in, in hopes to try to continue to move forward with the calendar. And this is an adjustment, just moving PD and also trying to not over shift um, too many things that people have come to expect in town um, as, a, as a result. But I understand. So there's other, like, like we want to be sensitive to the workload of teachers. So if they have other deadlines a little bit before or a little bit after, we don't want conferences, which, like you say, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of thought put in the conference. We don't want that to sort of, like, merge, like, just pile up either before or after. That wouldn't be fair to them. I mean, first glance, September actually looks better than it has in a few years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. True. Um, November's never been free. Yeah. And just looking at the printouts of the other districts' calendars, just looking at they don't. Do they conference in November? Yeah. But like some of them are also smaller, so they only have like one day for a conference. A half day or a full day? A half day. Mm -hmm. And I feel ignorant asking this, but um, no, never mind. That's crazy. What? Like, what? Why are conferences two half days, not one full day? Mm -hmm. Because you would go crazy, or because I don't want my kid home for all day. Be serious. It's it can be serious. Contractual. Two full PD days, and then the half days are for conferences. And one of them. The most common days of school as well, but that's not. The contract is there. And one of them is evening, right? Like the, the half day shifts the to the evening so that parents can attend an evening conference yeah. if they can't get out of work during the day, which is important. Okay. 
Yeah. 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 Got a motion, a second, we've discussed it. Any more questions, comments? Okay. All right. So, vote will come on motion. All those in favor? For the 2023-2024 calendar, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Let's see. Okay, see, we have some policies for first read, and uh, just to highlight some of those policies, um, I recommend moving the following policies to a second read as discussed. First is EEB, Student Transportation Policy, Routing Scheduling, IE, Organization of Instruction, IGA, Curriculum Development, IGB, Student Services Program, and IGD, which is Curriculum Adoption. And uh, the Policy Subcommittee met to review these policies. We are in I. Um, in case you hadn't noticed finishing <laughs> a few of those. Um, one was a carryover where we were following up on um, transportation had to do with the bus evacuations and figuring out how many we needed per year, um, looking at that. But also um, just uh, organizing instruction. I would like to just point out the IGA, curriculum development is one that's been um, developed and merged between IGA and IGAA. Um, which we had um, in in Franklin, but it made sense to bring together and consolidate and include a portrait of a graduate with that. So with that said, um, I recommend those policies as discussed for a second read. Okay. Is there a motion to move policies EEB, IE, IGA, IGB, and IGD to a second reading as discussed? So I'll move. Is there a second? Second. Discussion questions? Camille, Anna, Elise? All right. Vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Motion carries. D. Mr. D is a recommendation for uh, I, policy IGAA, as I just referenced, as a policy elimination. Um, as I stated, we merged IGA to include some of the parts of IGAA, mm -hmm. um, while also including what we had for curriculum development goals in IGA to merge them into one solid document. So I hope that makes sense. If I need to clarify, I'm happy to. So <laughs> I, I, I recommend moving the public policy. Um, I recommend elimination of policy IGAA, curriculum goals as discussed. Is there a motion? No move. There's a second. Second. All right, discussion questions? No. All right, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Moving along, discussion only items. We've got none. Information matters. Superintendent evaluation, Elise. Uh, no new update. All right. Budget and policy. We don't have anybody here. Um, community relations will be meeting soon to discuss our legislative forum. So we'll share more information shortly. Space needs and facilities, Mr. Charles. Uh, so for the subcommittee, uh, we do not have a meeting scheduled as of right now. Um, it will be in March, the line on dates. Uh, if you want an update on just the registered advisory as well. Or, sure. So as part of the registered advisory work, uh, we continue to do our efforts to um, listen to the community, uh, reiterate um, or re revise the 
um, scenarios. Uh, we had met last on the, let's go by way too fast, um, the 7th, uh, where we proposed uh, three different scenarios. Um, we will be working to create uh, communication that's being sent out to the families regarding the scenarios that they can have, um, we can view uh, where we're at. Um, and it's going to include a preview of um, the dates for the community forums so that they can provide um, more input. I mean, granted, all of our meetings have been in public um, and have been open to all to view. Uh, but this is one where they will be able to view and also share their input, uh, whereas the previous ones have been um, limited to the advisory um, redistricting, advisory analysis committee. <laughs> Talk about the bubble. Um, we're looking to get that communication, as I mentioned, out uh, sometime this week. Uh, so families should expect that, have some time to review it, um, and then those public forums will be in March uh, where we can um, have that, that open dialogue. Um, and then, like I said, we'll continue to through the process, listen, uh, make adjustments as needed uh, based off the feedback that we hear, and um, we'll continue on the process. Perfect. Don't go anywhere. Joint PCC. Joint PCC. Okay, are we to ask any questions? Oh, sure, sorry. Um, this is, this, this is um, not to undermine or critique any of the process that's happened. Um, because you have been open, you answered every question, you, you have responded to emails, like the extraordinary amount of work you all done. Makes me really glad I didn't volunteer for this committee. <laughs> However, I just want to register in the minutes my concern about the, the a, a couple things. The, my own obligation to have a decision in May makes me extraordinarily anxious um, for a few reasons. One, um, and, and I recognize that it might not be we do it or don't do it. It might be some other sort of voting proposal that comes before us. But what makes me concerned is um, uh, the amount of time it takes for teachers to make placements for students um, for the following year. And the um, I have a husband who's a fourth grade teacher not in this district, and the amount of time it takes to um, assemble, make recommendations, partner, decide of makeups of classrooms, and consideration of special needs, and all of those things makes me very concerned about any sort of making a move for next fall. Um, I'm glad that there are teachers on the committee, um, and I assume they are raising these sorts of concerns. Um, I'm also concerned about um, the any kind of implementation of anything while the master town plan, and I'm going to use the wrong words, so somebody tell me, while that's also being proposed, and that work might take 18 months. That work might, who knows what it will reveal. And should a recommendation be made and then students removed, and then another recommendation be made by that committee, 
and a different a school is determined to be closed and students are moved again, I just feel, I, get, I, I want to register my concern about the speed and that time is maybe the only, like the most valuable resource we have and um, certainly there are, um, it's not perfectly, um, the situation we have right now is not perfect, but I would hate to cause another bigger issue. So I just want to register that, and I don't want it to come across to anybody on the committee, to anybody, to Lucas, to any anybody. I just want to register my concern. I have sweaty palms. <laughs> and I get sweaty palms. That's it. I just be careful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, duly noted. Um, Are you talking to me? I'm talking to him. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah, I'm trying yeah. to make it. Oh, yeah, I'm talking to yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. It's duly noted, and, and right now the, the phase that we're in is, is strictly analysis and okay. more of identifying what we will do and not necessarily when as of yet. Yeah, so I think that's, that's really it. But, okay. but yes, your, your concerns have been noted, and it's not, it's not not the first I've heard of those concerns. Okay. Okay. So we are, we are doing as much as we can to listen to everybody and everyone and, and, and hear different perspectives um, because honestly we, we don't know what we don't know and people have made some really great points and I feel like where we started with um, we've we've made some shifts that we wouldn't have made if we hadn't heard from the people so um, it's just more just, just listening and analyzing. And yes. That's what we're doing right And now. I want to, I, I just want you to, I just want to commend the way that you have done that. So, okay. Thank you. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, done. I was nervous, I, I was nervous for two hours bringing it up. More All like for the love three days. I'm okay. nervous. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry, Madam <laughs> Chair, please refrain from talking. <laughs> Go ahead, do it, be easy. Sure, yeah, so I will do my best. Um, I had conflicts, so I was not able to attend. So, Mr. Geer, if you want to also add in AMIST, um, that'd be great. Uh, but looking from the notes, um, really the focus was around the reviewing the wellness policy um, for um, dinner night fundraising, um, just to kind of just make sure folks were aware of that. Um, and then it looks like they're creating a, a running document to share as a resource for PCC chairs, just to um, be aligned with that. and. Um, know what fundraisers we're doing and what restaurants are doing as well. I'm excited about the next phase of work. We're getting more product driven. So what are common questions that come up every year that we have to negotiate or discuss around activities, celebrations? What are you allowed to have at a school? What are you not? So working with, as a conduit, the JPCC with principals and admin in our central office, What what are the what's the box that we have to work within, either legal or um, just guidance from safety, health and safety, all those pieces, and then what are the ideas. So there's a bit of a think tank happening around what's been successful across elementaries, across middles, um, as far as fundraising goes and celebrations and like end of year type thing. So I think it's a great use of time to bring people together, share best practices, but also funnel information so that it's consistent across the board and people know like what's the toolkit 
that I can work within um, so that it's consistent across, you know, and it works for our school. So that's that's basically it. So thank you for teaming up with you. And um, as always, the PCC share the, just the great work that they've done to um, support the children for things that are above and beyond what is covered by the school district. So the field trips are, are supported by the, the PCCs mm -hmm. um, so that families don't necessarily have to pay individually out of pocket to have their child's attend a field trip. Um, and then just the various like community building events, I think that's been great. Um, I mean, it's ranging from things such as um, you know, the Red Sox game that JFK is, uh, Jefferson's doing, um, to you know, the kickball tournament, um, potentially with parents versus kids um, at Keller. So it's, it's really all the things that are fun um, that just kind of help bring people together, especially after the pandemic. It's been um, tough, especially for those that are newer families that kind of have that sense of community. So I think this is a great way to bring people together, um, meet new people, have fun, um, and just build lifelong connections. Mm -hmm. um, also, the, they shared various fundraisers that they're doing, such as um, partnership with places like George's Pizza, Santa Fe, um, which all of these are you know voluntary programs where families will go in, they'll support these businesses, um, and some of that proceed goes back to the schools. Um, so it's a great way to, one, support a local Franklin business and even other businesses outside of Franklin while um, doing some stuff level of community and then also getting something back to be able to support um, for future endeavors for the school. And the last one that I'm really excited about, um, each of the schools are doing a food pantry drive uh, throughout the year, um, at some month, um, and they're keeping track of how many pounds of food that they've donated. Um, it'll be amazing to see what's that collective number come end of year, um, because it's just a really great way to show that you know, we're giving back to those that are in need, and um, it's just it's just great to have the kids start young and kind of be part of something like that. So hopefully, um, by our last district newsletter, we'll have like the grand total weighed in. Hopefully, it's over a little ton of food. So um, looking forward to see where that comes. School Wellness Advisory Council. Um, so SWAC met last week, I guess. And we worked in our subgroups to plan goals and action steps. And our next meeting is March 7th, and we're hoping to revisit the idea of a booth at the farmer's market. Yay. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that. CPAC. Uh, OK. So CPAC, we've got a lot of updates because they've been very busy. Mm -hmm. um, was there a CPAC rep at that JPCC meeting? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah, good, great. Because they had, um, related to what you were saying about the event planning and the PCCs being involved with that with principals, the CPAC has created a inclusion checklist for community events that's like totally aligned with that same, um, the same conversations. And I always think it's important that they have a voice in, in um, the event planning also to make sure that we're aware of all different types of needs um, for events. Um, and their CPAC calendar is now shareable. So you can go to franklincpac.org to subscribe to their calendar. Their web page is updated, which shows the CPAC board meetings the first Wednesday of every month, parent meetups the third Thursday of each month. So that's parents, any types of parents or guardians. You don't have to have a student in special education or not, um, any type of like parent support. And um, they have a, a couple of coming workshops. The one coming up in March is the Think Kids are going to present on collaborative problem solving, which is a really effective um, method for understanding our kids, either as parents and guardians or as teachers. Um, and it, it promises to be a very good um, 
exciting and informative presentation. The once the sign up was open, they had like a hundred reg registrations in like not you know 24 hours or something. It was very quickly um, filling, but there's still room. Um, in April, they're having a presentation on dyslexia. In May, they're having a presentation on the Massachusetts anti-bullying law, and I'll keep you guys posted about those when they come up a little bit um, sooner. Um, they're also working on some community resources. Um, that's a project that's in progress. Um, and in alignment with a recent Franklin Public Schools email regarding bringing concerns to the correct people in the correct order, CPAC created a concern resolution flowchart specifically for um, IEP concerns. So that's on their website there. It's a nice visual that's very clear to follow and very informative. Um, and also, they starred on a podcast on Franklin Matters. Franklin Matters interviewed two CPAC members. Um, and it's 36 minutes, and my notes say 36 minutes of hold on to your chair excitement. So we could do it now if you like. No, we'll do it later. But thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Franklin Matters, for um, giving the, some voice to our CPAC. On the radio tomorrow. It will be on the radio tomorrow. Thank you. Great, and that's it. All right. Uh, Mental Health and Wellbeing Task Force. Excellent, yes. <laughs> um, we had our meeting today, and we're making our final plans for our next critical conversations. Student voices, you think you know what we're thinking, what they're thinking, but you don't, what your kids want you to know, um, which will be on Thursday, March 9th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at Forest Mann Auditorium. Um, it will also, Franklin TV will be there also um, broadcasting it. Um, it will open with um, Jen Knight-Levine from the Safe Coalition giving what I call the State of Franklin and some statistics about what, what she's seeing um, in regards to our students um, with um, mental health issues as well as substance use. Um, and then we have our keynote speaker who is a former Franklin High School graduate um, in 2018, Nicole Claremont, who will talk about um, her experiences and then we will have a, um, we will hear from the experiences of current Franklin High School students after that, and then we'll open it up to Q&A. So we're very excited for this evening. You should start seeing some press releases coming out um, tomorrow or Friday. Um, um, Dr. Ann Bergen is on it, as well as the rest of our PR team, Dave Callahan and Jim Derrick, and it's, it's just really exciting. And um, Sarah M M Bombardi, I cannot thank her enough because she's taken the lead as well. So it's very exciting. You're going to see current student data um, from the Metro West as well as student survey data. It's going to be a great thing. So, DEI committee. So, unfortunately, DEI, our DEI meeting for what month are we in? February um, was canceled, um, and we were going to try to reschedule it. However, due to all the upcoming conference uh, conflicts for many of us in March, um, it's going to be hard to do. So our next meeting is March 22nd. Um, okay, consent agenda, Mr. Chair. I recommend approval of the minutes from the January 24th, 2023 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend approval of the request Ms. Rutzett and Mr. Geisinger to take the jazz students to the University of New Hampshire Jazz Festival on March 11, 2023 in Durham, New Hampshire, as detailed. I recommend approval of the request of Mr. Hendrickson to take the third and fourth grade students to the Rhode Island Philharmonic in Providence, Rhode Island on May 24, 2023, as detailed. I recommend acceptance of two checks totaling $4,400 from the Keller PCC for field trips as detailed. 
recommend acceptance of a check for $1,025 from the JFK PCC for trips as detailed, for field trips, excuse me. I recommend acceptance of a check for $50 from Judy Kruger for supplemental supplies at Jefferson Elementary School as detailed. I recommend acceptance of several checks totaling $945 from music parents for in-house enrichment as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $3,212.71 from Grin and Barrett Enterprises for in-house enrichment as at FHS as detailed. I recommend approval of the request of Noreen Langmire to take three groups of sixth grade students to Colt State Park in Bristol, Rhode Island for a Save the Bay lesson on May 23rd, 24th, and 25th, 2023, as detailed. Okay. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion? Questions? No? Right. Vote will come in the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Citizens' comments, all right. Are there any citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview? So new business, our next meeting is on February 28th. It's right after the upcoming vacation. So we have some short turnaround time in between. I want to wish everyone a safe vacation as well. As far as new business goes, um, we will be having Dr. Rogers present from Teaching and Learning. This is also the time of year when we start to do our district improvement plan updates based on that approval and we'll kick it off with some um, riveting MTSS discussion and presentation around the work that's happening with supports. So I know that uh, some feel that way. The last piece, I mentioned Hearts of Kindness earlier today. Um, if you look under your table right now on the left-hand side for me, that would be helpful. Left oh, so Do I do something? So, oh. hearts of kindness. We had some elementary uh, hearts that were built um, for all of you. Oh, you and didn't we, make them? I, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I did not make those, but uh, we uh, we put those out for you and just thanking you for Thank your support. You. And uh, please show Stop those off it. and good use. They've been there the whole meeting. No magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right. Uh, executive session. So finally, we will be adjourning to executive session and will not be returning to open meeting. Pursuant to Mass General Law, Chapter 30A, Section 21A3, to discuss strategy with respect to collective bargaining with the van drivers, cafeteria, ESP, LPM, and secretary's units as an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on the bargaining position of the school committee and the chair so declares. Is there a motion to adjourn into executive discussion as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All right. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you again on February 28th. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements.
and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.